0: Thanks for listening, and God bless.
1: Our passage today comes from Acts 1, through 1-11. Listen for what God is saying to you. Theophilus, the first scroll I wrote, concerned everything Jesus did and taught from the beginning, right up to the day when he was taken up into heaven. Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised. He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but in only a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Jesus replied, it isn't for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going away, and as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They said, Galileans, why are you standing there, or standing here, looking toward heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. May God add a blessing to the hearing and the living out of the scripture.
0: Good morning again. I don't think I introduced myself. My name is Emily McKinley, and I have the great joy of serving um, as pastor here at Urban Village Church alongside many of the folks that uh, you have seen up front um, and many people who you never really see up front but who help us do what we do and be who we are with faithfulness and um, with uh, commitment. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to gather in a cool space on a warm day um, to uh, not only escape the heat, but to come closer to your fire. We ask that your spirit would be present in this space, that you would clear away the clutter of our minds, the things that are troubling our hearts, that we might be able to hear more clearly what it is that you are trying to speak into us, things that you are trying to do within us, and may we receive those things with um, humility, with with openness, and with a, a deep sense that we are not alone as we do this work. We pray this with gratitude and trust in the name of your Son Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, this past month, we've had a lot of people in our community graduate from various programs, whether it was theological education, music, where's Rico right there, um, <laughs> medicine. We got. Uh, Eburo somewhere around here, I see Jasmine, so he's here somewhere, um, or preschool, right? Uh, there have been lots of moments of completion, celebration, and, and sending that many folks here have experienced and participated in. And graduations are an important way for us to mark our turning points, to say, I have learned something important, and now it's time to move into the next. And that all seems well and good, except sometimes the next doesn't always turn out to be what we were expecting. In our passage this morning, we see just that. The author of Luke catches us up in a sort of multi-part television series way, previously on the Gospels, right? <laughs> Before he was taken up, working in the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus instructed the, gospels, the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed them that he was alive with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, speaking to them about God's kingdom. While they were eating together, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised He said, this is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but only in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so the people are gathered. They've been with Jesus. They've heard his teaching. They've seen his signs and miracles. They've been through the crucifixion, the death, and the resurrection. They've got their diploma in hand, and they are ready to go. Or so they think. Jesus is wrapping up, about to head due north, right? When this question comes out of some guy's mouth, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? And I can't help but picture Jesus standing there with his mouth dropped open. For all of what they've been through, they're still kind of working from this mindset that operates from an outmoded, outdated theological technology, right? Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? This is after 40 days of him talking about the kingdom, right? Which is code for, will you restore Israel to its former glory as it was under King David? And I just, I mean, I really have to hand it to him. If I were Jesus, I'd be like, Jesus, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all spent all that time with me and that's what you got? Like, I came here to restore some weak and frankly messed up old system. I mean, King David the greatest of all time, the one who took another man's wife and then had him killed, the one who let his daughter get molested by her brother and didn't say a thing, David is the biggest thing you can imagine? You think I'm working with that tired old technology? Give me back those diplomas, all of you, right? (laughs) God bless them. Jesus doesn't give these people what to and where for, but he does probably have to take a deep breath before explaining. Look, You're working from old ideas. I'm not, I've never been interested in those broke-down ideas of kingdom and empire. My ministry has been about healing and making whole. In fact, it's about confronting kingdoms and empires, those systems and structures that break our spirits and set us against one another. Since you didn't catch it the first time around, I'll throw it out one more time. I'm here to bring about a new world order, a reality that dissolves divisions and dismantles modern modes of dehumanization. We're not about to do that through military might or extremist movements. No, I've got a secret weapon. I've got a sacred weapon, a new kind of technology coming your way, and she goes by the name of Hagio Numatos the Holy Spirit. She is the Adam A-D-A-M bomb, blowing up the hearts and minds of all the Adams and all the Eves, every faithful follower of Jesus, that they might grasp the boundless, radical vision of beloved community that God enacted through me, Jesus, and is trying to multiply out into the world. Sister Holy Spirit will supply you with all the things you need to go about my business. She will grant you courage in times of fear. She will grant you vulnerability in times of relationship building, insight in times of despair and wisdom to fill the gaps, which apparently you've got plenty of. This spirit is the cutting edge technology that will spread my vision first in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and on and on throughout the world. And you, you are the vehicle by which that spirit will, will move and do this work. And what is that work exactly? Well, these last few weeks, we've been talking about it, evangelism, sharing the message and good news of a world made whole, made purposeful, and made possible by Jesus Christ. A world where those who have been pushed out for asking too many questions, asking the wrong kinds of questions, those who were told that there was no membership for them in the community, no room for them at the table, a world where these people, too, could experience the gift of belonging to God. Last weekend, many of you know, I was preaching at our Wicker Park location, and it was a wonderful opportunity for me to see how our siblings do what we do at another site, and it was also an enlightening way for me to see the unique realities that show up there. Now, some of you may have seen a post that I put up in Facebook uh, on Facebook after my time there. Just before the beginning of the second service, a man walked into the church. His name was James. James appeared to be uncared for. He was missing teeth. There were kind of wafts of unwashed smells coming from him. He had dirty hands. And he engaged one of the leaders at Wicker Park in an intense conversation. After I explained to him that we weren't available to speak during the service, actually this leader happened to be giving testimony that day, and that morning, of course, I was preaching, we weren't available right at that moment. And he went away, and I was afraid that he kind of left feeling pushed out. Well, he ended up returning at the end of the service and I sat down with him a little longer and he shared that he was physically ill, suffering from pancreatic cancer. But he was also spiritually ill. He talked about how he was a veteran of the Vietnam War and that he had killed many people. And on top of this, he was emotionally ill. He described being treated as garbage by police and, and he said, we could call the police on him if, if we wanted to. And I said, I wasn't interested in doing that. He wanted money, $14 for a, train to, for a train fare to get him to a friend's house in Milwaukee. But after I gave it to him, he wasn't ready to leave. He insisted on being baptized. Listen, he said, I'm not going to live much longer. I know it. I don't believe in God, but I, but I want to get baptized. So I asked him, well, what does baptism mean to you? And He said, I don't want to go to hell. Now, these are not the kinds of circumstances you train for in seminary exactly. <laughs> So we talked a little more, and I said, well, I can't baptize you because that means that you want to follow Jesus and you want to be part of the community of God's people. But I can anoint you. And so he agreed, and I got some water and I anointed his forehead with a cross. And I said, James, I anoint you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You belong to God. And the minute I said that, he let out a wail like I have never heard before. It was one of those sounds that comes from deep within, a a guttural, soul-deep sound, and he burst into tears, and the anguish on his face hit me with so much force. I was reminded of when Jesus freed the man who howled in caves from his inner demons. Friends, if you don't believe any of what has been preached these last few weeks about evangelism, believe me now. There are people in this world who are bound by their pain. They are... trapped by their anguish. And they need to know that God's love is for them too. Now, they may not present like James, right? In fact, they may look like they have it all together. They may be the kind of person that many people even admire. But there, beneath the surface of their gloss and their shine, is a thirsty soul and a hungry heart, yearning to belong, a pain born from past Decisions, a constant anxiety that their lives don't matter unless they produce something, unless they are perfect, unless they never let a weakness show. Perhaps they were abused by systems fed into war machines, people whose lives we abstractly celebrate after the fact during national holidays. Perhaps they've been malformed by structures that said there's only one way to be a good citizen, one way to embody your gender, one way to perform academically, one way to be a Christian, one way to listen to the national anthem. No matter who or where or how they have shown up in your life, there are people, there are people who need to know that God's love is real and that it's for them. No money down. No monthly payments. No other shoe to drop. No strings attached. There is someone like this in your life. There is. Who is this person? Think about it. Who is this person in your life? What do they need to hear about God's love? How are you going to invite them to experience it? Now maybe it looks like inviting them to our next movie discussion or hanging out with us on Montrose Beach after the Pride Parade as we talk with folks and get to know their stories. Or maybe it's just a real conversation over a cup of coffee or a pint of beer. There's no one right way to share about God's love and usually the most authentic way is the best way. But regardless of which way is best for you, we are all called to do it. All of us. None of us are off the hook. Jesus tells the disciples, start with where you're comfortable. Start with what you know, with who you know, which was why I asked you to think, who is that one person in your life? Start with where you are. Start in Jerusalem, and then work your way out. You don't need to, be, to go somewhere else to do it. Just begin right where you are. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be authentic. You have to be real. Open yourself to doing God's work in the world with hands and feet for sure, but also with your message and your mouth. You can do this because you, each person in this room, you have a story to tell, and you have access to God's cutting-edge technology in order to tell it. You have the Holy Spirit who goes before you, advocates on your behalf, gives you the words you need, and makes a way where there just seems to be no way. God has a story to tell and a message to share through you. But it won't get told. It won't be heard if you don't share it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you invite us into it that it doesn't cost us a thing. And we ask, God, that we would not be selfish with our knowledge about that love, that we wouldn't be so full of our anxieties and so concerned about our own, uh, percept- be, per, being per, uh, how we're percepted or our reputations or the ways people think of us, and that we wouldn't be so wrapped up in all of that, that we couldn't reach out and share with someone who so desperately needs to know that they are, in fact, loved, not for what they do or for how much they own or for how skilled they are, but just in fact because of who they are. Help us to be courageous enough to say that. Give us the words, give us the moments to step into and speak those truths into people's lives. We pray for this world, God, where there are far more people who don't know that they are loved than those who do. Help us to be part of your agency of love by the power and technology of the Holy Spirit so that we could just reduce those numbers just a little bit more. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.